Jesus used to greet. Peace be upon you this morning. Good morning and welcome to Emmaus Church. If you're visiting with us this morning for the first time or it is your first time and you're undecided about Jesus and church, we welcome you. Before we pray to open our time together, I want to reassure you that the Spirit has been working from the moment you entered this room. The worship team had no idea what I have prepared today, but the songs, the liturgy, everything has to do with what the Lord has placed in my heart to share with you this morning. So if you're sitting here today, there is something for you. Every time the Word of God, the precious Word of God is open, You need to hear something, not that I say, but that he wants to say to you. So with that, let's pray. Father in heaven, we sit at your feet. We acknowledge that we need the revelation of your word. We need you to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to open our lives, to understand you and to see you with new eyes, with renewed minds. Thank you for each living, eternal, created in your image soul that is sitting here today. Speak to us, Lord. We hear. Amen. Advent, the season we are celebrating in the church calendar, is a season of waiting, of anticipation. It's also a season of remembrance. We remember that Jesus came as it had been promised and anticipate that he will return. He will come back as he promised. Therefore, it is a time of being anchored, practice being anchored in that hope, the hope of his coming with the assurance that as he came before, he will come back again. That event and that hope should inform how we live in the here and now. So if he will come back, if that is true, just as he came, if he will come back, the way I live in the here and now, where I place my hope right now, should be affected and matters immensely. But in order to actually dwell and live out this hope of his coming, we need to make room for Jesus. And that's something in the season we often hear in songs, in sermons, to make room for Jesus, for his spirit, and for the Father. We need to make space to receive him. We're going to do a little bit of an imaginative uh, exercise, and I'm going to ask you when I tell you to close your eyes, and then when you close them, just sit there and take in the darkness. It's not going to be complete darkness because some light will come through your eyelids, but just sit in the darkness. And once you open your eyes, 
Imagine or not, just focus on the first thing that catches your attention as light enters your eyes. So go ahead and close your eyes. Stay there for a couple seconds. And when I tell you to open them, what is the first thing you see and catches your attention as light enters in? Go ahead and open them. There's all sorts of things that happened in your brain, your eyes, for that moment to happen. There is one big picture idea that I would like you to keep in mind as we meditate on these beautiful verses from John's poem. And this is what I want you to keep in mind. When we receive Jesus, the true light, who takes over our darkness, he makes us children of light. That's it. That's all this talk is going to be about. When we receive Jesus, the true light who takes over our darkness, he makes us children of light. And I'm going to encourage you, if you have a pen and a piece of paper or a journal or even your phone, I'm going to let you use your phone today for this purpose only, but bring a notebook next time. Write down ideas, words, verses that catch your attention. Why do I say this? Because our memories are very short. And you will most likely forget 95% of what I say today. Yeah. But whatever the Spirit reveals to you today and throughout the week, that will be yours forever. It will become a part of your being, how you view the world, how you view reality. So don't take my word and just go, yes, great, but internalize it. When we receive Jesus, the true light who takes over our darkness, he makes us children of light. Last week, Spencer unpacked for us the meaning of Jesus as the word or the logos, being with God and being God from the beginning. He created life, he sustains life, he gives meaning to life. He, Jesus, the Logos, who is life, gives order to life. Now, in this poem that John masterfully connects to the Genesis narrative of the beginning of creation, he is presenting Jesus, the Logos, as another primordial element, and that is light. And I thought it was very curious that the Lord chose a very dark and overcast day to bring out this topic today of light. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The Genesis narrative starts out by saying that in the beginning, the earth was formless and void, or as Spencer pointed out last week, an empty canvas. And another detail in those opening lines is that darkness covered the deep waters or the face of the deep. 
So even then, from the beginning, before God speaks, there is this element of darkness. But think about it. What is the first thing that an artist needs to start creating a beautiful painting? Is it pens, pencils, oils, brushes? No, it is light. They need light. And in the same way, the first thing that God speaks into existence is light. And this light was light before the sun. It wasn't sun first, then light. No, this was light first. Let there be light. And there was light. And the light was good. And God separates the light from the darkness. Once again, he's bringing order, limits, putting all the elements in the right place. In other words, from the beginning of creation, God is invading darkness with light. Here in the beginning, creation of creation, darkness is limited to night, nighttime, right? But God is invading darkness pervasively to the point that in the renewed creation, in the new creation, all darkness is gone. Listen to the words of Revelation. There will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. That is such a difficult thing to imagine for us because we're used to the rhythms of day and night, light and darkness. Now in his poem, John brings back that tension and presents to us another conflict again of light and life versus darkness and death. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. What is darkness? Actually, the definition of darkness was way more simple to come up with or to find than the definition of light. Darkness is simply the partial or total absence of light. Not just absence of light. Partial absence of light can also be considered darkness. Darkness does, in fact, oppose light, but these are not competing equal forces like the yin and the yang or like this painting of Jesus arm wrestling with Satan. I literally found this when I typed light versus darkness and this came up. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, look at Satan's. Yeah, he's strong. He's strong. Anyway, <laughs> that tension, that yin and yang, um, conflict that we often think about when we're imagining light versus darkness, but that is just not true. Light is what defines darkness. And according to John, darkness can never extinguish it. Or, in the words of someone very smart, C.S. Lewis, if the whole universe has no meaning, we should never have found out that it has no meaning. Just as if there was no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. 
dark would be without meaning. Seems like a riddle, but it's quite simple. We know what darkness is because of light, period. That's it. Now, when it comes to light, however, whoa, abundance of answers. What is light? Light was not as easy to define, to come up with an answer. But when we try to think about light or define light, the first picture that comes to mind inevitably um, is objects, objects like a candle, a lamp, uh, a star, the sun, all those sources are conductors of light, but they cannot be defined as light. So you see the candles, right? Are those light? Mm, well, they reflect, they show light, but they are not the definition of light. One definition I found, but didn't seem comprehensive enough, although it was the first one in the dictionary, was light is what makes vision possible. Now, I grew up with a mom who is an eye doctor. My stepdad is also an eye doctor. So I grew up hearing about vision, and I know more about vision than probably any of you. And I have 15 pairs of glasses because of that. So I know all about vision and how the eye works and light and all these um, processes. Light is simply what allows you and me and all creatures with a pair of eyes to see. Think about it. What's the first thing you do when you walk into a dark room? You turn on the light because we need to see. However, light can also be defined as what makes it possible for life to exist on Earth. Plants need light to eat in a process called photosynthesis. Animals need those plants to survive. We need the plants and the animals to survive. So in the circle of life, in the overall bios, life is what sustains it and makes it possible. There would be no life without light. It's not just an external force out there that always is around us, but it's also very much connected to our own bodies. Have you heard about the circadian rhythms? Raise your hand if you have. Great, yeah. 24-hour cycles that are a part of the body's internal biological clock in the brain and carry out essential functions and processes. For example, sleep and wake cycles, digestion. It's our internal clock naturally aligned with the circle, with the cycle of what? Day and night, light and darkness. All the changes in our body respond to that rhythm. We, however, mess it up by what? Exposing ourselves to light, artificial light, when we should be resting in the darkness with phones, with TV, with computers, and then that rhythm gets all out of whack. But we are naturally designed to respond to those rhythms of day and night. Light can also be associated with spiritual illumination, knowledge, truth. But perhaps the most honest definition of life I found was from Encyclopedia Britannica. So hear, hear me out here. This is what they, how they define light. 
No single answer to the question, what is light, satisfies the many contexts in which light is experienced, explored, exploited. The physicist is interested in the physical properties of light, the artist in the aesthetic appreciation of the world. Through the sense of sight, light is a primary tool for perceiving the world and communicating within, within it. Indeed, light provides a window on the universe from cosmological to atomic scales. Almost all the information about the rest of the universe reaches Earth in the form of electromagnetic radiation, aka light. Or in other words, Light is what makes it possible for us to understand and experience all of reality, physical and spiritual. When it relates to darkness and its use in scripture, there's a Bible scholar called Alec Motier. Perhaps if you did Lectio 365, this 365 this week, you heard this already. He proposes five uses of darkness in the human world. Ignorance, calamity, death, wickedness, and damnation. The opposite of life. You and I, we can easily insert into those categories pictures of war, hunger, injustice, deprivation, distortion of reality, the areas of sin, brokenness, pain, and grief in our own hearts. Thinking about the past series we just had, Ecclesiastic called this darkness, hevel, futility. And Paul, in his letter to the Romans, identifies it as the creation being subject to frustration. Something is not right. Sadly, in our current state, Darkness is way easier to identify than light. Light might seem unattainable, or like the reading for the liturgy this morning said, naive, out of touch with reality. Yet the words of John echo with a resounding and emphatic assurance of hope. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it, can never overcome it. If John was here, John the Apostle who wrote this letter, and we were to ask him, John, what, what is light? He would have a very short answer. Jesus is the light, period. Jesus is the true light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So notice the parallel. Once again, like in the beginning of creation, instead of removing himself from darkness, God is entering and overtaking darkness with the light, with his light. Jesus, the true light, was coming into the world, a world primarily dominated by darkness. He didn't just bring light or speak light into existence. Into existence. He was the light itself choosing to enter darkness. He wasn't holding a candle. He was the candle. He was the fire of God coming into, stepping into the world. I'm going to read 
quote from the prophet Isaiah, quoted by Matthew when referring to the life and work and teaching of Jesus in an area of Israel called Capernaum. And as I read it, observe the painting that you're going to see on the screen. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. For those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. If Jesus is the true light, friends, that gives light to everyone, if he is the one who sustains and dictates the rhythm of life, physical and spiritual, the rhythm of our lives, the rhythm of life, does that ring a bell? The rhythm of life, how we live our lives. If he's the one who sustains and dictates that, then he is the one who makes our vision of truth, of reality, about ourselves, about the world, about relationships possible. The one who is truth and knowledge. He reveals darkness. He restores life. He refines our hearts. He is the true light. We turn for light, for solutions, for understanding to many sources before we turn to the one who says he is the true light. John, by saying this, is making a huge claim with huge implications. Because think about it. If Jesus is the true light, then every human being finds its purpose and meaning in Jesus. Who's the first person that comes into your mind right now? Boom. That person finds its purpose, its meaning in Jesus. So the question is, if that's true, shouldn't every human being receive him? That's the most logical answer. Yes, right? Well, no, that was not the case. John tells us he came into the world, he created, but the world didn't recognize, didn't know him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. So sadly, the creatures were unaware of their source of life, their creator. The world was unable to see him for who he truly is. His own people, the family that God has cho had chosen to bring his purposes into earth, rejected him. Rejected him. They chose darkness. In the scriptures... To know someone is not just to agree or to recognize as in, oh yeah, that's my friend. But it is a response of faith, of acceptance, of trust. And to receive the opposite, opposite of reject is to take, to join to oneself, to be associated with and accept, acknowledge to want to be such as he professes to be. So it's not just an agreement like, yeah, that's, that's that. But it's a communion. You identify yourself with that person you know and receive. So knowing and receiving Jesus as a true light implies a total surrender 
and trust in who he says he is. Holding on tightly to the hope that darkness cannot extinguish his light. And therefore, you and I choosing to walk in that light in obedience to him. That's what it, mean to, what it means to know and receive him. You know what really moves me from the story of the nativity of Jesus' birth is that even though he was God incarnate, growing in the womb of a woman, Joseph and Mary didn't play the card of, you have no idea who this baby is, the son of God, when they were looking for a place to stay. They didn't. Instead, they just knocked and asked, and when they were rejected, they would just keep looking. Many were unable or unwilling to receive him, to receive them. They couldn't see the miracle of light and life that was happening right in front of their eyes. Only one who thought, perhaps outside the box, in what seemed the most inconvenient of spaces, reluctantly or not, but that person made him room, welcomed them, received them, and that unusual, perhaps dirty barn became a holy space where the Son of God, the Word made flesh, entered our existence because someone made room. So in this season of activities, lights, parties, decorations, traditions, and even in the season of your lives with your busyness, deadlines, projects, anxieties, whatever it is, it might seem impossible, like a true fight, to make room for Jesus. Not just to expect him, there's one, it's one thing to expect, and that's what precedes receiving, but actually to know him and receive him when he shows up to interrupt our driven or our broken or our confused lives. When he knocks, I thought it was going to be louder. When he knocks, one response was rejection. But there is a different kind of response. And oh, what a beautiful gift we get when we choose this response. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of light, children of God. That word, but, signals for us a contrast between those who rejected him as the light and therefore chose darkness and those who did receive him and therefore chose light. Let's talk a little more about that word receive, which in Greek is lambano. means to take, to make one's own, to take and not let go. It's almost a physical, like grabbing with your hand and pulling towards you, to choose, to not refuse what is given. So as you can see, this is an active verb. It's an active personal choice, meaning we have to choose to receive Jesus, the true light. He can be invading your life with his light. But if you don't choose it, if you don't grab it and hold it and make it your own, it will soon turn into darkness. And he gave those that chose to lay hold of that light 
to give them a right, the right to become children, the right, the authority, the position of power and authority, and authority and right that were Jesus's. Because him, as the son of God, is telling you and I, you can partake of this. You can partake of this nature, of this power, of this authority, of this position. Not just you and I being creatures, but children. He made them a part of a family, the family of God. As children of the king, he gave them a royal title. This is going to be, or going to sound cheesy, but you are princes and princesses. We are sons and daughters of a king, but we can call God not just creator, not just king, but father. Father, the ones that are close to his heart, like Jesus is. This family is a different kind of family. It's not through bloodlines or because a man and a woman had intercourse or because a couple decided to plan to have children. John is telling us that this family, simply because of God's will, moved by his love and compassion, he shone light into darkness to create new humans, you and I, that in turn become reflections of his light, of a new creation in a world of darkness. A transferal took place. Keep this in mind. The word that had been forever with God, the life and the light became flesh so that others, you and I, could be born not from flesh, but from God. He took on our flesh so we can take on his light. We are children of God, children of light. Now let's take these big concepts and bring them down to earth. And for that purpose, I'm going to ask my volunteer, Mo, to come up here with a mirror. Awesome. Thank you, Mo. I'll hold it. Awesome. Thank you. All right. No, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. I need you right here. And shine, shine the light on you. <laughs> Can you see yourself? Awesome. So who is this? Who is this? Yes, answer, please. Morgan. Yes, that's Morgan. Now, who is this? Is that Morgan? No, it's a reflection, right? If I need to call Morgan, I'm not going to call the reflection. I'm going to call her. The reflection of Morgan. Is it like her? Let's check. Hat, cool clothes, fashionable. Yes, it's her. <laughs> yes, it is Morgan. But what would happen if all of a sudden, we're not going to do it right now, we turn off all the lights in this room? Can we see her? No, perhaps a little bit, but not to the same level of detail that we can right now, that there is light. If the light is dim, the reflection of Morgan will be dim. But the brighter the light, the clearer the reflection. 
there she is. Thank you, Morgan. You can bring this back down. Thank you. Yeah. So we are children of light. But practically, very practically, we must be exposed to the light, to Jesus, to his presence daily, in order to be clear reflections of his light, his character, his words, his wisdom. Just as we need natural light, not just once a week. Imagine, one day you wake up and say, today is my day to receive light. The rest of the days, I'm just going to be inside a cave. I don't like that light. I don't need that light. That would be terrible for you in every sense of the word. Emotionally, physically, everything. In the same way, if you're only, and listen well to this, guys. The, the Lord really laid this on my heart, and I want to pass it on to you. If your only exposure to the light of Christ is today, on Sunday morning, you can have the most meaningful experience here. With the words, with the music. But it won't be enough for you to live as a child of light as a reflection of Christ throughout the rest of your week and your life. It won't be enough. You need to receive that light to physically, actively take it and make it your own, to make Jesus your own, to lay hold of him. Seek his presence, his word, his people daily. Have times of prayer throughout the day. I'm going to tell you what a very influential pastor in my life, someone who discipled me and taught me so much, would tell us often. Make these words your own. Don't just hear what I bring, but go back to your world and return to the scripture, to these thoughts. Meditate on them. Study them. Communicate with God through them. And then you will become an apprentice and you will hear the voice of the Spirit and see the path of wisdom and light that Jesus has for you. If you only hear me, again, you will forget 95% of what I said. But if you turn your face towards the face of God, who is already looking at you like we were singing about daily, then your light won't be darkness but you will shine brightly in obedience and in service. And the areas of your life that have been overtaken by darkness or a dim light will shine with the truth and life and light of Jesus. Psalm 36 says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So when you leave today, it's a gloomy day, so perfect for this illustration. Don't step into darkness. Don't step into darkness with a light that will soon grow dim. And all you, and, and I say this with all respect, but all you will have left to say is, that was a good message. Those were good songs. That was a good Sunday. That's it. But turn your face towards his light each and every moment and shine ever so brightly reflecting the nature of your Father, a God of light. Please do that. Or hear John, what he says in his letter. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 
So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. To practice the truth, we have to be constantly exposed to the light. So every morning, or maybe not just the morning, but every time this week you look at the mirror, remember this illustration. What do you see? You are a child of God, a child of light that needs the true light who is Jesus. You need it. Otherwise, your reflection will soon turn into darkness. You might hear all this and think, what is the point? What is the point of knowing, receiving Jesus as a true light or living as a child of God when in fact the world, relationships, the church, politics, social media, you name it, everything seems to be engulfed in darkness, right? So why choose light? St. Francis of Assisi said, all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. It is not your calling to extinguish the darkness of the world. Only the true light, the one who will be our light forever, can do that. If we turn lights off, those lights will continue to shine. And they will be a source of light. Small, yes, but they will be a source of light. How much more is that true of the one who through his life, death, and resurrection conquered darkness and death? Yes, his light has not fully overtaken darkness, but it is, and it will, because he will come back and establish a kingdom in which we will no longer need the sun to sustain earth. Think about that because he himself will be the sustaining, victorious, all-encompassing light to all the nations of the earth. I'd like to ask you a question. What is your deepest desire or need in this season of Advent or this moment in your life? Is that desire or need related at all to a deeper longing for peace, like the theme of this week's Advent candle? Peace understood as shalom, wholeness, completeness, all the pieces of your life working in harmony in order to be in right relationship with God, with others, with yourself. Could it be that Jesus is coming into that space, that longing, and is waiting for you to make him room? to receive him, to make him your own, to invade your darkness, your disappointment, your anxiety, your exhaustion, your doubt, your weakness with his true light. So instead of a closing remark or a call to action, I just want to leave you with some questions with the hope that this will open your eyes to new ways to receive the light of Jesus. Could it be that Jesus is also waiting this Advent season just as we wait? That he's eagerly anticipating your response of acceptance, of trust, of obedience to him? Could it be that he's waiting for you to seek his light each moment of your day? He's there. 
just like light is on our, all around us, he's there, but we need to turn. Is he waiting, eagerly anticipating that? Could it be that he's waiting for you to soften your hurt, disappointed, skeptical, anxious, exhausted heart and welcome his love and his refining, powerful light? Could it be that Jesus is inviting you to live fully into your identity as a child of God, a member of a family of children of light, waiting for you to give up and offer to him all other identities, habits, experiences that have defined you and keep you in darkness. As we await for the Savior, for his coming and remember his birth and expect his return. He's also expecting, he's also knocking, he's also waiting to invade our darkness. But we need to choose, we need to receive. He's gentle, he's kind, he's respectful. Can he overpower us with his light? Of course, but he wants our heart, he wants our response. So we're going to close our time together by reading together this declaration of our identity as children of light in the midst of darkness and a future hope that in the here and now transforms us. A future hope that in the here and now purifies us. So let's read from John and his words in his letter together as a collective declaration of who we are and where we place our hope. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Father of light, We are thankful that light came down to inhabit our darkness. We are thankful that each moment of our day, you are calling, you are waiting, you are expecting us to turn towards you and invade us with your light. Teach us, reveal to us your word, your ways, your wisdom, to hear your voice. Father, we recognize that in the activity of the season of our lives, it's hard or we have chosen not to make room for you. And just like a room with clutter is dark and dusty and smells bad, when our hearts are cluttered, we cannot see your light. We cannot let your light in. Remove the clutter. Help us to extend the hand 
take hold of your life and not let it go because it is our own. It is our possession. It is our inheritance. It is our identity, Lord. Just as we bow our hearts in the altar in our pew today, make that be the reality every single day of this week. We need you, light of the world. Thank you that you step down. 